Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. If money affects your life in any way, Money Making Sense will talk about it. Be financially healthy, wealthy, and wise. Here's your host, Heather Kelly. Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're going to talk about best practices for hiring. Joining me today is Carly Hazen. She is a principal at Prince Perelson and Associates, and that's a recruiting firm. We also have Susan Spears on board. She is the CEO of Utah Association of Certified Public Accountants. All right, Carly, I'm going to start with you. I don't know how many people have heard this term, but it is a huge catchphrase in the newsroom where I am right now, and that's Mm -hmm. best practices for Mm -hmm. hiring. Mm -hmm. It sort of ties in with diversity and inclusiveness. Why is this such a big thing all of a sudden in the last couple of years? You know, there's a lot of different reasons, but I think the most topical is that our work lives and our careers have changed significantly during and post kind of this COVID-19 pandemic. There's a lot of dynamics now at play. It really served as a force accelerator for individuals that were considering maybe, you know, looking at a new opportunity. And it really encouraged them to do so because it was happening everywhere. It was a really great shakeup. All of a sudden, here locally in Utah, now we've got an unemployment rate of around 2%. We have every single company hiring and really struggling to find talent. So it's become a conversation that's extremely important. And people are paying great attention because never have employees had to struggle so much to find talent. Never have they seen such a low response to ads that they're placing. Never have they spent so much on hiring and never has it taken so long. So this is a wound for a lot of companies right now. In my experience, I used to be a hiring manager for a small veterinary practice. And when we were in those situations where we weren't getting the talent we were hoping for applying, we were sort of left with the best of the worst. And Mm -hmm. in that case, your best hiring practices kind of tend to go out the window So Mm -hmm. it seems like right now a lot of companies are in that situation. So how do they continue this best practicing for hiring when you're left with the best of the worst? And a lot of companies don't want to compromise. And so they'll keep the position open as long as they can. And there's some structural problems with that because then their current staff gets really burdened and ends up picking up the slack. But companies are not wanting to compromise. And that's why jobs will be open for six and seven and eight months, or they're kind of forced to hire a candidate that's maybe less experienced or less professional or less qualified than maybe they were hoping for. So some companies are being forced to hire, you know, from the pool that they have. Some are now spending money on hiring recruiting firms like ours. Companies that never thought they would ever need to pay recruiter fees are now being pushed in that direction because they are hiring critical roles or very important positions or very specialized roles. Um, and they need to have kind of a greater presence in the market to help them attract a wider pool of candidates. Maybe that means more diversity and inclusion. Maybe that means getting a more talented workforce and more experienced professionals 
it can mean a lot of things. A lot of times companies are just keeping a position open because the inter- candidates that they're interviewing are asking for too high of compensation and they don't want to compromise on that. So it's really put a lot of employers between, you know, kind of a rock and a hard place. Susan, are you seeing that with in your travels and talking to people that either a potential employees are asking for too much money? And then what about opening up the doors to people they've never thought of before, like veterans or people of color or anything like that? I think both, Heather. We, we certainly, when we talk about best practices, we also have to look at the business model. And one thing that we're learning is that if we can hire a diverse work pool, we actually come up with better business decisions. So now we have this workforce that here in Utah, but I'm out of state right now in New Orleans, and they're struggling with the same things we are. And I'm with all 50 states and a few of our territories, and everybody is talking about the employee shortage. And wage does come into play. I mean, we've got numbers year over year. We're 9.1% inflation. So when we have people starting a job, a new job, and they're asking for more, part of that is because they have to have a place to live. And mm-hmm. the housing prices are up. Gas, look what gas has done. So I, I don't know that we can say employees are asking for too much. Perhaps in our business models, we need to look and review and say, have we not been keeping up with the cost of living over several years? And we've been so targeted to net income or meeting shareholder expectations that now as corporations, as whether big or small, we have to make up for lost time. I believe that most companies have not kept up with the cost of living. And I'm not talking about the last year and a half where we've started to see the inflation. But typically inflation or your cost of living raises 3.2% every year. And yet your raises are around 2% each year. So they've not been keeping up the last decade or so. And then all of a sudden we have inflation that just skyrocketed. And and it's the latest numbers is at 9.1%. Some companies over the last year, year and a half have given raises of 7%. But if your raises are 7% and your inflation is 9.1%, you're still behind the eight ball. That's true. There's a... There's a huge paradigm shift that's hitting us in so many different ways. It's, Uh you know, and employees, we've been working from home for two years. So we see mothers and fathers that have been able to see their children and still provide work responsibilities. And some plain don't want to, don't want to go back. And we have, I think that we do have a small pool of employers that are fighting against that. So I think that we're also seeing employees expect more out of their employers. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of competition. So if an employee has been working from home and really wants and enjoys that, they won't consider those opportunities that are on site or they won't consider positions that they believe are beneath their compensation threshold. So Canada behavior has really changed and what candidates are looking for and what they expect from an employer has changed. We've had a huge net in migration of California-based companies and other big companies moving here, and it's really kind of shaken up our local landscape in terms of compensation and hiring practices. That's a good place to take a break, because when we come back, I want to talk about what employees should be prepared for in this new environment if they are looking for a new job. So we'll be right back with Carly Hazen. She's a principal at Prince Perelson and Associates, which is a recruiting firm, and also Susan Spears, the CEO of UACPA. 
two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that if it affects your life in any way money-wise, we're talking about it. Today, we're talking about best practices for hiring, not only from the company standpoint, but if you are looking for a job, if you're still searching for the job or career, the landscape has changed a bit when it comes to interviewing and what companies are looking for. Joining me today is Carly Hazen. She is with a recruiting firm called Prince Perelson and Associates. And we also have Susan Spears, who is the CEO of UACPA. Carly, I want to go back to employees. If they're looking for a job, mm-hmm. they do have a little bit more flexibility in asking for certain things, or mm-hmm. they could discover that they don't want to go back into the office because they have been working at home all this time. And so they're starting to ask for things that I personally never would have thought of even five years ago. It has. You know, we've seen a big change in Canada behavior. And, you know, you'd hear catchphrases during the pandemic all the time that employees were starting to care more about how their life feels as opposed to how it looks. Um, titles became less important, the type of company and, you know, whether or not they were a global company or publicly traded company. Things started to become very real and very personal. So there was a significant push for greater work-life balance that we've now seen coming out of this pandemic and a huge focus on better personal well-being, emphasis on benefits, emphasis on enjoyment, emphasis on diversity, emphasis on growth potential and the ability to be mentored by individuals who are experienced and whom others respect. So we've seen a lot of this kind of inward facing out type of paradigm shift and it's been really interesting um, because not everyone's looking for the same thing. When we have our in-depth interviews with candidates, they become very personalized conversations and people want a job that works for them. And some people, this doesn't always come back to income. Some people will take a pay cut or a lateral move in order to to achieve maybe greater work-life balance or a position that doesn't stress them out so much or push them to work as many hours that really does increase their personal well-being. People started working from home. They started to see their families more. They started to get out a little bit more, take the dog for a walk. And a lot of people have been extremely reluctant to completely give that up. That works for what we would consider a white-collar jobs, but Mm -hmm. a huge portion of our economy runs on manufacturing and Mm -hmm. restaurant and hotels. And you can't check in a guest at a hotel Mm-hmm. from your house. You have to actually be there in person. So mm-hmm. is that why the restaurant industry, hotels are having oh, yes. such a hard time finding employees? The service industry has suffered dramatically because of this, because of the push for remote work and because of their inability sometimes to compete with competitive wages and, you know, an extreme diverse benefits offering that some of these companies do. A lot of people left the service industry and started doing customer service or working in call centers or working for large tech companies 
But we're seeing a shift back, and I, I would say, too, that there's other things that companies can offer because, again, if you're providing growth potential, if you're providing significant training, if you're fast-tracking candidates to get into management, if you're offering maybe a great deal of health and wellness benefits, there are other offerings that you can offer. It's not just about the remote workforce. It's really about providing employees with a really great experience, a great place to work surrounded by peers that they like and respect and the ability to grow your career within a company. Some of our largest clients are small, medium, and large manufacturing companies, and they've still been able to hire and retain really incredible employees. Some employees in the manufacturing sector never left and never worked a day from home. They're still used to that, but they are looking for increased wages and better place to work, maybe a better environment, and maybe more of an opportunity to grow their career without having to leave their job to do it. Susan, I still am struggling with if pretty much every industry is struggling to find employees, where did they all go? I would understand if you had two openings at some company and 30 applications, but pretty much every single person I talk to in every single industry, they're like, we can't find anybody for any of these openings. And maybe they just mean qualified employees. But if everybody is hired, but there's still tons of openings. Uh-huh. Where did where did everybody go? We didn't have this problem three years ago. Well, I, I think a couple things. I'll, I'll dovetail a little bit on what Carly said. I do believe employees are expecting more out of employers and employers that are providing benefits or training or growth opportunity to their employees. I think they're they're doing a lot better than those that are not, number one. Number two, I and I think I'm a little curious about this, we'll start seeing the last of the COVID funding that has gone out. We saw that at the end of June. So those that have maybe been staying home or not working because they're still getting COVID funding, that ran Mm -hmm. out at the end of June. I'm curious as to whether we'll start seeing a little more uptick in employees coming back to work. That That's something that has me a little bit more curious. We also saw Mm -hmm. employees on their own if they were laid off and not given opportunity to come back to work for whatever reason, service industry, especially as we look at hotels and restaurants, that Mm -hmm. went on and got different training. And so perhaps they're no longer interested in coming back into hospitality and food service industries. You know, I think that we're seeing a lot of shifts going a lot of different directions. And as employers, we need to be in tune with that. People, employees are looking, they are looking to take better care of themselves. And that will be part of the interview process as they interview potential employers. So Carly, I hear from my supervisor, because we also at KSL News Radio, we're a bit shorthanded. I would say one out of every three people that she calls for an interview, they ghost her. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. What is that about? We're hearing about that a lot from a lot of our companies, and that is one of the reasons it drives them to our doorstep is to really help them get to the bottom of this issue of Canada's ghosting, Canada's just not even showing up for an interview, Canada sometimes even accepting a job and then not showing up. We usually see this type of kind of musical chair scenario when there are more opportunities than there are qualified applicants. And what happens is candidates start to feel like they have an abundance of options because they do. And they're being called by a lot of recruiters. 
And so for some job applicants, they feel like some jobs are expendable and they don't really need to, you know, go through the process. They don't really need to uphold commitments like they maybe did previously when there was only one or two job opportunities to consider. There has been a barrage of opportunities to consider and some of that professionalism has really struggled and and not all. And and sometimes I will say that employers are doing everything they can to keep their current employees. We have seen triple the counter offers that we've typically seen in the marketplace when a candidate goes to give notice. The employer is not only offering them more money to stay, but advanced opportunities and every other Friday off and a sign-on bonus and (laughs) some tuition reimbursement. Employers are getting incredibly creative because when you have a valuable employee that you know will be hard to replace, companies are doing everything they can. So that's created a bit of a rocking industry because candidates will take a counteroffer, sometimes not always follow through, they'll just decide to stay where they're at and not show up to the interview because their employer already found out that they might be looking and compelled them to stay. We need to take one more break. When we come back, we'll try to tie the two together and discuss what the employee, if they don't ghost an interview and actually show up, what should they expect? Mm -hmm. We'll be Mm -hmm. right back with Susan Spears. She is the CEO of Utah Association of CPAs and also Carly Hazen. She is from a recruiting firm called Pierce, Harrison, and Associates. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're talking about best practices for hiring, and that's both as an employer and an employee. Joining me today is Carly Hazen. She is a principal at Prince, Perelson and Associates. That's a recruiting firm. We also have Susan Spears, the CEO of UACPA. Carly, if I'm the employee and I don't skip out on an interview I've been given, Mm -hmm. what should I expect if I go into one of these companies that is following best practices? You should expect a great experience. If a company is adapting and, you know, doing all of the things that we talk about that companies should be doing right now to attract and retain great candidates, then it should be hopefully at least a positive experience whether or not they decide to take the position. They should have a personalized candidate experience, right? So the importance on the candidate experience isn't anything new. Companies have been doing this for a long time, but the importance is a lot greater. It needs to be a very human-centered approach. You know, progressive organizations are talking to employees about what they can experience with a top-performing company and, you know, what the mentorship programs and training programs look like and why this is a good, stable job and where it could take them in the future. And, you know, really, I think employees are still very interested in considering what else is out there. They know there's a lot of great opportunities, but employees need to do more than they've ever done before in terms of researching the type of company they want to join so that they're not bouncing around too much. And employers, I think, are focused a lot more on treating candidates extremely well, streamlining the interview process, making sure it doesn't take too long, coming out with a really strong offer to begin with, being as flexible as possible on their requirements. And really, if the individual is someone that you're excited to hire, trying to customize not only the interview process, but the offer and their experience as much as possible. Is there anything I would need to bring to the interview differently than 
say, three years ago? No, I, I just think the more research you can do, because so much has changed for employers as well as employees. So talking to companies about how maybe they've adapted and shifted with their workforce, talk about their hiring practices, talk about their stability as a company, talk about uh, a lot of questions. I think candidates are feeling a lot more emboldened during the interview process because we've had this incredible shakeup. So I think candidates just need to be prepared maybe to do some very current and topical research and come armed with some, you know, not only broad-based questions, macro questions, but really personalized questions about how employees are treated, um, maybe what their flexibility possibility is. If you've got young kids at home and, you know, want to be present in your family's life, having those type of conversations, we are actually seeing candidates feel a lot more comfortable discussing what matters to them in the interview and being a lot more transparent than they ever were before. But it's been a good thing because then there's no surprises on the other end and employers are getting real-time feedback on how they need to adapt and attract these employees. So I am a manager of a company and Mm -hmm. I am not changing the way I've hired people for the last five years. I mean, it works. I've got good people. Why should I adapt to a world I don't like? Well, if you if you don't have any open positions, then you can, you know, kind of <laughs> hold on tight to the way you've always done things. But grow, adapt, or die is what we see in the market. And especially when it comes to thinking outside, you know, the norm of what you typically hire, you could be losing the ability to increase your customer's experience. You could be losing profitability. It's not just about kind of maintaining the status quo. It's if you're not growing, if you're not adapting, if you're not looking at things in a new way, um, eventually you will start start sliding backwards because new schools of thought are out there and it really does matter and it really does make a tremendous difference, not only to your internal employees, but the customers that you're potentially serving. Susan, is that what you're seeing as well? Yes, absolutely, yes. There are people out there, players that are very stubborn. They want to keep things the way they are. There's still a thought out there that, oh, things will go back to normal. This remote workforce isn't going to work. This hybrid, it's just not efficient. There's all all sorts of excuses or fluff out there. But we have to be willing as employers and employees to be nimble, if you will, and take into account the current environment that we're in. I would also say from an employee standpoint, Many of our employees are wondering, they want to work remote or they want that hybrid. I think that as part of the interview process, they need to express how they're willing to make that work for a potential employer that they're Mm -hmm. interested in working for. I think also with so many open jobs right now and employers saying that they're having a tough time finding people to fit those roles, it's now's the perfect time to go outside the box that they've normally searched from. Veterans, people of color, people you just didn't think of previously mm-hmm. to hire. Yeah. Even ex-convicts, depending on what role you might have for them. I think, you know, it just in general will increase your workforce's range of skills, talents, experiences. And as such, the byproduct for that is, you know, hiring for diversity helps you better understand your customers. The more diverse your workforce is, the greater chances are that your employees are able to cater to a really wide range of individual customer needs. It just helps you keep a pulse on that. And, you know, McKinsey throws out a lot of really incredible data on how it can grow your talent pool and it improves employee happiness and 
productivity and, and retention and innovation and creative abilities. But at the end of the day, it's also a very profitable decision. Companies that have, you know, gender diversity, ethnic and cultural diversity, these are the companies that are not only surviving these crazy times, but they're thriving. And if there is talk of a recession, it's going to be these companies that are able to still do quite well and retain their staff and keep things moving forward because they've got a very nimble and adaptable and very diverse workforce. Any last words, Susan? I agree with that. And I, I think in these same studies, I mean, there is a case for that. These statistics, these numbers that are coming out make the argument for that increased revenue, increased bottom line because of that diverse workforce. We all have different thought processes because we come from different environments. And there's that collective thought process creates different different ideas and different things that, that are going to work. And our culture, our generation that are coming into the workforce, they love that. They, they love being part of something bigger. They love being part of a team, a cooperative effort. And with technology and and with the different challenges that we've had the last couple of years, why not? Why not taking these things that we these new technologies and create that diversity and cre- create bigger and better opportunities, not only for our employees, but for our organizations. I think what yeah. I've taken away from that is companies need to adapt to this changing workplace that we have now, be willing to offer remote or partially remote work if that will work for both the company and the employee. And the potential employee needs to state that up front. Hey, I would like to work remotely from home once. Maybe they say Mm -hmm. once I'm trained and I've been mentored and I understand the job, then get me to go back home. I think that's huge. And bringing in more diversity because the people with it have a diverse outlook from yourself can attract customers with their outlook, not just your Mm -hmm. outlook. And that's what you're talking Mm -hmm. about is increasing the bottom line. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Carly Hazen. You are from Prince Perelson and Associates. That's a recruiting Mm -hmm. firm. And also Susan Spears, the CEO of UACPA. Thanks for listening. You can email me with any questions or topics you want to hear about at hkelly at ksl.com. That's h-k-e-l-l-y at ksl.com. And because this is Money Making Sense, you can subscribe for free on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, and you'll never miss another episode. Thanks for being a Money Making Sense listener. Follow your common sense on the social media. Money Making Sense on Facebook. Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. 
In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.